this morning as you're turning to Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 14. And the word of God says this, you are the light of the world. Everybody say, I am am. the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and hide it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father. The title of this morning's message is called Pasture of Promise. If you still have your Bibles with you, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 23 and verse number 11. 2 Samuel, chapter number 23 and verse number 11, and Miss Sherry Chester, I I got my next book idea, and it's going to be called One Liners. And Miss Sherry T. Meyer, don't listen to that because it's going to cause some more late nights to take place, and I may not start it for a little bit. The title of the book is probably going to be called One Liners. And if you've ever read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, there are several one liners in the Old Testament. And what I mean by that, that it'll mention a specific person's name, and there's only one or two verses about this person in the whole Bible. But man, what they did in those one or two verses. Is just absolutely phenomenal. And so we're going to read about one of those guys this morning. you got several of them. you got Jabez, and many of you have read the prayer of Jabez. You have Shamgar and what he did. But this morning, we're going to read a story about Shema in 2 Samuel chapter number 23, verses 11 and 12. And you can say amen because it's just two verses about everything it says about him. And the Bible says, And next to him was Shema, the son of A.G. the Herite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentil peas. And the men fled from the Philistines. But he, Shema, took his stand in the middle of that plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory that day. Now let me set the stage for you. This is the stage when the Philistines kept raiding the land of Israel. They kept coming in from every direction and raiding the land. Well, how many of you know that there comes a point in life when you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired? You just got to get fed up with the things of the devil and say, Devil, I'm not settling for this anymore, and I'm going to go on with God, and you got to take your stand at some point in life. Amen? And so this is what Shema was doing. People kept running in and raiding all their stuff. And the Bible doesn't say this was acreage and acreage and acreage. It specifically calls it a plot. Now, a plot isn't a very big section of land. In fact, it's a very small section of land. And all that was growing on this plot of land was lentil peas. And I begin to wonder what on earth is so important about this land that a man named Shema, when everybody else in Israel was running, would stop in the midst of everybody and stand for a plot of lentil peas. Does that not sound a little weird to you? The difference is a pea patch... It's not just a pea patch. God wants to see what you can do with the pea patch so he can make it a pasture of promise. Amen? See, some of you are thinking it's just a plot of land with a bunch of peas on it. Well, if it's just a bunch of peas, when God sticks his hand in a bunch of peas, it doesn't just become a bunch of peas anymore. It becomes a pasture of promise in every area of your life. And so I'm going to begin to encourage you this morning to quit looking at your part of the vision as small and insignificant But it is your doorway to your pasture of promise. See, you may be thinking right now, well, Miss Sherry Chester may be thinking, well, God just had me cook pies for the vision fund. Well, let me talk to you about cooking pies just for a second. Jesus begins to talk about, when he begins to speak, those who are faithful over little will become rulers over much. Let me say that again so y'all get that. Those who are faithful over little will become rulers over much. He also goes on to say later in Matthew chapter 25, Those who are not faithful over little, even what they have will be taken away from them. So you may be thinking, what is my part in this shine brighter, shine farther vision? I know that some people have done great and amazing things, but pastor, I can't do something huge, big, spectacular, phenomenal like some of these other people have. Listen, it's not about what you can't do. 
It's always been about what you got in your hand and what you can do. Amen? See, there's been several people who couldn't do a lot, but when you get a lot of littles together, it makes a whole bunch, amen? And so when you get a whole lot of littles together and you start getting a whole bunch, a vision begins to come to pass. See, what God was bringing before Miss Sherry Chester is when she said, I'm going to bake pies. God wasn't wanting to see if she'd be faithful with pies. When she was faithful with pies, God's saying, that was her doorway so I can give her a gift of maybe even prophecy sometime. See, if you're not faithful with pies, how can you be faithful with prophecy? You hear me on that? Mr. Gamble over here, I'm going to brag on him for a minute. He loves driving that tractor. And I, I was so mad when he was driving that tractor because he got to knock down a tree in that tractor and did not invite me to get in the cab with him and knock down a tree in that tractor. And he was working, laying a foundation for a new parking lot. He didn't say, Joel, I got $10 million. Here, go pay for the parking lot. But he took what he had and the abilities that he had, and he began to lay a foundation for a parking lot. And if God can't trust him to lay a foundation for a parking lot, how can God trust him to lay a foundation for the body of Christ? Amen? And so now that he's been faithful with his pea patch, get ready because, and man, I don't know why I always get words for you two in the middle of a message, but I always do for some reason. Y'all two just get ready for breakthrough. I don't know why, where, how, I mean, breakthrough, especially financially, and I don't know why I get that for you guys all the time. And so get ready. I don't know what you've been struggling with. You may not even been struggling, but just get ready. Because when I was preparing this message, God said, you're going to say that in the message. And I've been arguing no, but of course he always wins. And so if I'm not faithful in the little words of knowledge, not that it's a little word of knowledge, but in the first steps of words of knowledge, how will God be able to bless later? There was a gentleman in the church who said, I can't really do much, but I can buy a bunch of t-shirts and we can sell them and raise money for the vision fund. How many of you know, if you can't buy a bunch of t-shirts and be faithful with t-shirts, you're never going to be gifted with the gift of teaching to be faithful with teaching. Amen. But listen, there's a young lady in our church who said, Pastor, I really can't offer much of anything, but I can teach people how to speak Spanish. Well, if she's not faithful with teaching somebody a language that she knows, how's God going to bless her with a language that she may not know about? Amen. And so listen to me. Your pea patch that may look like a pea patch right now is not a pea patch, but it's a pasture of promise. And if you'll be faithful with the pea patch now you'll get a pasture of promise later because God's never set it up where I'm just going to give you this and just leave it at that God says no if you're faithful with this I'll make you ruler over much Shema understood that point even long ago and so I want to encourage you this morning what are you being faithful with and what are you not being faithful with because whatever you're not being faithful with the Bible says will be taken from you but if you'll start being faithful in the little things God can begin to bless you with the big things amen see here's the problem so many people think that their first part of the vision or whether it's baking pies or laying a foundation or whatever it is is the be all end all in fact it's not have you ever been driving to Dallas and you see the sign that says Dallas 60 miles or 40 miles down the road how many of y'all whenever you see that sign you stop you jump out and you go hug the sign and say yes we've made it y'all don't do that dude I stop at every single one no I don't stop at all because you know that that sign is not your destination just like you may be thinking the little thing I'm doing now is so insignificant listen that's not your destination quit hanging on to the sign that says it's still 60 miles down the road be faithful with this so you can pass this sign so you can get to your destination of where you desire to be in your life amen See, your pea patch right now was never meant to stay a pea patch. It was God's avenue to bring you to a pasture of promise and blessing in your life. The problem, so many believers say, well, I just don't feel like doing that. And God, that's insignificant. And God, I don't want to do that. See, if you can't make it past the 60-mile marker, you'll never get to the 40-mile marker. If you can't get past the 40-mile marker, you'll make it, never make it to the 20-mile marker. And if you can't get past the 20-mile marker, you're never going to hit your destination. Amen? And what we desire at The Way Bible Church is for you to reach and be and approach and accomplish all that God's called you to accomplish in your lifetime. And if you keep getting stopped 
because you're getting hung up on your pea patch because your pea patch doesn't look like so-and-so's pea patch and his pea patch is a little bit bigger than my pea patch, but my pea patch is bigger than your pea patch. When we quit comparing pea patches, come on, some of y'all get with me this morning. When we quit comparing pea patches and start believing in a pasture of promise and we quit worrying about what your pea patch looks like and I start helping you farm your pea patch and you start helping me farm mine, we may get a pasture of promise together that equals acres and acres and acres of what God's called us to do, amen? And let's watch what God can do. So it says, the Bible says that Shema took his stand in the middle of a patch of lentil peas. And God brought about a great victory that day. Listen, when God brings about a great victory that day, that means there was actually an adversary in the mix. You understand? A lot of people say, ooh, pastor, I love having victory. But everybody thinks about victory and they don't think about the fight that came at the cost of the victory. Amen? I, I'm here. A lot of people say, ooh, I want a good testimony, but you don't want to go through the testing to get a testimony. <laughs> and if you don't go through a testing, you're not going to have a testimony to give. And so a lot of people want to say, pastor, I would love a great testimony like yours, how the church started so small and you did not despise like the word of God says in Zechariah, you did not despise the day of small beginnings look what God's done in your life right now you don't want this testimony because if I had it to do over again I would make sure this testimony was different because I'm a lot smarter now and I would have made a whole lot of different decisions that would have got us to where God called us to quicker better wiser smarter and better off but a lot of people say pastor I want a testimony you don't want a testimony because with a testimony there comes a testing and unless you're willing to stand in the middle of a pea patch with a band of Philistines coming at you you're not ready for a testimony and listen if you can't stand for a little pea patch how are you going to stand and defend a pasture of promise. A amen. So the Bible says that Shema took his stand in the middle of a pea patch and a band of Philistine, a band of raiders came raiding at him to try to knock him off of what God has given him. And so you know that when there becomes a, a great victory, there's always a test that took place for the victory to take place on there. Now, now let me think about this. Think about your part of the vision. Shine brighter, shine farther. What you've done, what you're doing. Maybe you're helping out leading in a small group. Maybe you're helping out uh, um, laying a foundation. Maybe Maybe you're helping out with t-shirts. Maybe you're helping out with the, with, the, with the brisket sandwiches or the chicken stew that we had. Whatever you were dealing with. And the challenges that arose before you got to the point of what you were dealing with. Now, hear me when I say this. If your part of the vision you feel really isn't that important, why is Satan so adamant about taking it? Now, I'm going to say that again because some of y'all need to get that. If your part of the vision is so unimportant, why is Satan so adamant about taking it? Let me rephrase it like this. If your marriage is so unimportant, why is Satan so adamant about taking it? If your kids are so unimportant, why is Satan so adamant about taking it? If your finances and tithing is so unimportant, why is Satan so adamant about not having you tithe and give an offering? If the things in your life or you feel are so insignificant and unimportant, why is Satan so after the things that you have? Because Satan himself knows that that this little pea patch that you have right now of a marriage can become a pasture of promise five years down the road, amen? So you gotta get the understanding. If Satan's after it, there's a reason he wants it. And that should make you stand and fight for it all the more. Now listen to this. The word of God says that God is no respecter of persons. So that means God's got the same favor on Maxie as he does on Miss Carol. He's got the same favor on Robert as he does on Miss Beth. He's got the same favor on you guys right here as you guys over here. This side of the sanctuary is not more blessed than that side of the sanctuary. The difference is the front of the sanctuary is more blessed than the back of the sanctuary. Amen. I'm just playing. Some of y'all got upset right when I said that. Golly. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. He is a very big respecter of faith. In fact, the Bible says the only thing that moves God is faith. 
You're crying, you're whining, you're bawling, you're squalling. Oh, God, help me, please move. Doesn't, doesn't move God one bit. The Bible says he does relate to it. He is touched by the feelings of your infirmity, the Bible says. So God is a God that has feelings, and he understands where you come from. He's been there with Jesus Christ, but he is not moved by your feelings. He's moved by your faith. Now, listen, the word of God says this in John 10, 10. The thief comes to do one thing, and that's steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you would have life and have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, I'm going to ask you, which one do you want this morning, death or life? Everybody say life. I know some of you feel dead because it's time change, it's spring break weekend, it's cloudy and rainy. Praise God, we got a good crowd this morning, you're doing good stuff, and y'all do like Damon says, look like new money, I mean, you're looking good. And if you're a church that wants life, God wants to give you life. But if you want life, that means you already have a pea patch that you should be defending. Why are you letting Satan bring death into your pea patch? And if you can't defend a pea patch, you can't defend acreage. So we better get really good at defending what God's given us here. And become good stewards over our pea patch so God can bless us with greater on down the line. But listen to this. The devil's only trick on your life is this. He has no other tricks. He's not smart. Some of y'all give the devil way more credit than he's due. Oh, he's just so big and bad. No, he ain't. He's defeated. He's under your feet. No weapon formed against you can prosper in Jesus' name, so it doesn't really matter what he brings. But listen, the only thing he's got on you is deception. And if he can deceive you into thinking your pea patch is worthless and you'll give it up because my marriage just ain't worth fighting for, well, then he's won the battle of deception. And anything that the devil is adamantly after in your life, there must be a promise on the other side, a pasture of promise that God's trying to bring you into. Do y'all ever remember walking down the cereal aisle and you, you saw this box of cereal called Life Cereal? That's actually a good cereal. I kind of liked it back in the day. I don't even know if they make it anymore. They still make it? Y'all can bring me some Life Cereal tonight if you want to. I will eat it. <laughs> and you walk down the aisle and you see this box and it says Life on it. A lot of you would take that box and look at it. And because you're smart, you would say, there's no life in this box. There's cereal in this box. And you would set it back on there or you would know you'd have to purchase it. But you knew because you're smart people that there was not life in this box. Well, the problem is, if the devil's trying to steal something that you think has no life, there's really life in there. You just got to find it. Because what does this mean? The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he's trying to kill and destroy something, that means there's life in there somewhere. The problem is, y'all have been deceived by the devil believing there's no life in this pasture. And so I can throw it out just like a box of cereal. But Jesus goes on to say, I am come that you would have life and have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And so the devil's deceived us thinking that this is really life when Jesus said, no, this is what life is all about. And we put our hope into something that's hopeless. And when it fails, we wonder what happened to life. The fact is, there was never really life in some things at all. At all. If the devil's trying to steal something from you, there's some life in it. Because he's not happy till it's dead. See, he's not happy till your marriage right now is dead. And when your marriage right now is dead and you get divorced and you split up and you go to your next marriage, then he'll start working on the next one because he sees life in it again. He's not happy right now until your finances are dead and you're broke and you're filing bankruptcy and everything's done and you've given up until you get the next semblance of life or a new job then he tries to take that from you. So if you are a man or woman of God in this room and you have a pea patch and the devil's trying to steal it from you, that means your pea patch is worth fighting for. And when you make the decision that my pea patch is worth fighting for, my pea patch is worth standing for, my pea patch really is not just my pea patch, it's my gateway to a pasture of promise, then you'll get excited about something taking place in your life, amen? So when you begin to understand that if the devil's trying to steal it from you, that means there's still something in there of life that God can use for, to bring about a great victory. So the Bible says that Shema took a stand in the middle of a pea patch and a band of Philistines came together. But Shema, he took his stand against them. He took his stand against them. Now, if he took his stand 
against him. It means nobody else stood against them with him. It says everybody else ran off. I want you to begin to understand, nobody can stand for your marriage like you can stand for your marriage. Nobody can stand for your finances like you can stand for your finances. Nobody can stand for this church like you can stand for this church, amen? Nobody can stand for the things of God in your personal life like you can. Well, some of you are saying, Pastor, what about intercession? Intercession is this. Intercession means it is a repairer of the breach, a closing of the gap. And what that means is it makes a way until the person who is capable of standing can begin to stand on their own, amen? Now, some of us get this messed up concept about standing. We think standing is this. Well, you're right, but the actual term that the Bible uses many times, and it's lost in translation, is this. It's not stand, it's stand fast. It's stand fast. Now, pastor, how can you stand fast? If you're standing, you're not fast, and if you're fast, you're not standing. Well, it's just like you can have jumbo shrimp. If it's jumbo, it's not shrimp, and if it's shrimp, it's not jumbo. I mean, it's what it is. Standing fast means exactly that. You're standing, that means you're not retreating, but fast means there's action to what you're doing, amen? And listen, more Christians, they get the concept, and Shema took his stand, it means Shema became a bump on a log. That's how we read it. Shema became a bump on a log in the middle of a pea patch, and he just stood there and watched everybody do what they're doing. No, standing is actually the most active thing you can do as a believer. Standing and standing fast means you're not just doing what you need to do to stand, you're doing whatever it takes to start moving forward. Do y'all remember the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson? I mean, remember when they were in the Revolutionary War and it was at the very end of the movie and it's at the climax and everybody's running backwards and everybody's retreating and Mel Gibson starts running forward and everybody's keep falling back and they start falling over and the flag that the guy's carrying the guy, something happens to him and he falls and drops the flag. And you can just see in everybody's eyes, it's just like, oh. But then Mel Gibson starts running and he grabs that flag and he stands fast and he stands like this. And he says, hold the line, hold the line. And everybody that was running backwards begins to wake up from whatever they're in. And they begin to look at each other like, what do we do? And he didn't just stand there. He stood fast. What does that mean? He stood his ground where he was at. And when he said, hold the line, what did he do? He started running forward. And when he started running forward, all those young 17, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids out there fighting a war began to look at each other like, what do we do? And when a man with anointing stood for his pea patch and began to run forward, the whole congregation began to turn and run forward with him. And that was the turning of the tide of the war. And they had great victory in that war. Now, if more believers would look at their marriage, their family, their kids, their job, their home, their life, their work relationships, and say, I'm not just going to stand. I'm not just going to walk in here with my Bible and lay it down and be a Bible toter, but I'm going to stand fast. I'm going to begin to stand for you on my left and you on my right. And you don't just stand. You start moving forward. Watch what God can do with the turning of the tide. And you begin to run forward as you stand fast. No one can stand for you like you can stand for you. I can pray for your marriage, but I can't pray for your marriage like you can pray for your marriage because you're invested in it. Listen, nobody can pray for me and Sherry like me and Sherry can pray for me and Sherry. Now, I want you to pray with us. I want you to stand with us. I want you to stand for us. I want you to be believing with us, but, but you can't stand fast for us like we can stand fast for us. And so as the band of Philistines was raiding against them, the Bible says Shema took his stand in the middle of a pea patch and God brought about a great victory that day. Now, the important thing to note here is God brought about a great victory. And everybody's like, woo we knew that was coming because it's in the Bible. <laughs> we knew it was coming. But what you didn't see coming is when you're reading 2 Samuel chapter 23, the heading or the caption above it says, David's 
mighty men. David had 33 mighty men. 30 were his mighty men and three were the leaders of the mighty men. Shema, because he took his stand in the middle of a tiny pea patch that was practically worthless, his pea patch became his pasture of promise. He wasn't just put in the king's army, he was put in the king's royal guard and became one of David's chief mighty men. And when David began to say, oh, that somebody would get me a drink from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. And when the people heard it and Shema and some others ran across the line and got David the water that he needed see God was telling Shema it's not about the pea patch it's not about this it's about what I can bring you into you're here some of you think you're here for no reason some of you are here because your husband or your wife woke you up and drugged you here and you better pat them on the back and give them a hug and a kiss and say thank you very much because you thought you were coming to a message but in fact you came into a pea patch that's the opening for your pasture of promise see some of you if you'll be faithful in a little thing God's telling you to do, you have no idea about the exponential results five years down the line, 10 years down the line, 100 years down the line. The problem is, can God convince you more than the devil can convince you that this is worth fighting for? Remember the point we just talked about. If the devil's trying to steal it, that's your number one key that it's worth fighting for. If he's trying to stop it, it's the number one key that God's got a pasture of promise out there. God's never trying to get something from you. He's trying to get you into his blessing. And when God can get you into his blessing, you're entering into a pasture of promise. Listen to me. Some of you have big business aspirations in here. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But until you become faithful at the secretary position you're in right now, you can never be the CEO of the business that you're wanting to run. Because until you become steward over the little, you can't be steward over what God has for you over here. 